Hello, everyone. You are listening to the DMZ podcast with me, Ted Rall, joining you from the left. And I'm Scott Stantis coming to you from the right. And happy birthday, Ted. Thank you. It's Friday, August 27th. Uh, I am uh, feeling aged, but I'm always feeling aged. Um, and well, what um, happens when you get, you know, Asian. <laughs> yeah, that's well, a, that's and that's happens, been the man. that's been the case for a while. Maybe it'll change. Maybe I'll go back. I, I'm kind of into the Benjamin Button scenario. Yeah, I am too. It's just so weird that you just you know, <laughs> you just think you do keep thinking. You know, well, when I strained a muscle when I ran, you know, 20 years ago, it healed in a 24 hours. I was fine. And <laughs> no surgery doesn't. required. <laughs> and then now it's like you go, well, you know what? What I can get back to that. And you're like, nope. <laughs> History shows <laughs> that is not true. Gonna, All right. Well, so we a lot also, on the plate, a lot on the plate today, a lot on the plate. So, okay. So yesterday, Thursday on my birthday, August 26th, um, there was originally a report of three suicide bombings in at the Kabul airport in the last days of the evacuation there. Um, there was actually uh, one uh, suicide bombing that according to Taliban officials and U.S. officials claimed 13 the lives of 13 servicemen uh, injured uh, uh, very many more and killed 140 Afghan nationals, um, including women and children. Uh, a group called ISIS-K, uh, which is the Islamic State uh, in Khorasan, Khorasan means Central Asia, claimed responsibility. It seems to be sort of universally thought that it really was them. There was also a, a second attempt by this group uh, to blow up a group of Brits at a different part of the uh, airport, but that person was intercepted. And before he was able to pull the bomb on his suicide vest, and um, there's some confusion as to why ISIS is in Afghanistan and what their relationship is. Um, so we could probably talk a little bit about yeah, that. Real, yeah. real briefly, but I just from what little I know, I was listening to some and reading some reports this morning. Apparently ISIS-K and these other ISIS offshoots are pretty much, they've, <laughs> I just love this. They feel the, the Taliban is a little too warm and fuzzy. Yes, the Taliban are too pro-US, uh, American sellouts, uh, not very Muslim. <laughs> Um, now, yeah, we well, you know it all goes to show that, uh, you know, another man's ceiling is another man's one man's ceiling is another man's floor, as Paul Simon once said. And um, it's it's really interesting. I mean, how there's uh, there's these there's a diversity of opinion, even within the ranks of radical Muslims. And they're both Sunni groups, by the way. But um, ISIS has a very small foothold in rural Afghanistan. Um, they're not uh, they're not really a big group at all, uh, but they've been kind of a pain in the ass to the Taliban. They're basically former Taliban guys who broke off and then uh, gave them, they gave themselves the ISIS label. Uh, you can sort of join ISIS just by sort of declaring yourself like a member of ISIS. Like we could be ISIS C, ISIS cartoonists. And we could just like yeah. hang up a flag really? and, and swear that we were devoted to the principles of ISIS. And then perhaps there's more of a future there than there is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it probably pays it. about the same, you know. Well, you know how it's going to end either way, same way. Well, it's, in fact, you got to know that the United States is pushing this because they love to see our enemies fight other enemies other than, say, us. So, um, but here's a question. I mean, and this is as someone, you know, both of us are editorial cartoonists and have been for years. Uh, and I, we look at our compatriots and 
okay, we have suicide bombings at the airport yesterday in Kabul. We have mm -hmm. the thwart. As a commentator, you kind of sit back and go, is there anything to say here? And yeah, to, well, our to our yeah. credit, your credit, my credit, we both go, no, because what do you say? There, you know, yeah, I, I mean, Scott, I, I mean, that's what I think. I, I don't think there's, I mean, it's, I, in fact, I think maybe you're a little bit more into saying, like, for example, you'll do the obituary cartoon where you'll, I will, yeah, you'll note I, the passing of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear your thinking about that because I often think this is kind of the same thing. Like, okay, so these are you know 140 Afghans and 13 Americans died. It's horrible, disgusting, you know. But I, everyone thinks it's horrible and disgusting. So what do we have to add to that? Nothing. But what's the difference between that and like say a celebrity? or a historical figure who dies and everyone's like, well, we miss them. Well, let's it's be brutally, let's be brutally honest. A number of our compatriots, and I have to admit to falling into this once in a while, if someone famous drops dead, um, there are times when I kind of go, well, okay, that's an easy cartoon. You know, let's say it's Mel, <laughs> Mel Blanc and, you know, you have Bugs Bunny and all the characters crying or something. The go-to seems to be the tear, something crying. In fact, I joke with other cartoonists about this too, although they've been guilty of it as I have been. Um, you know, you go to- the, um, What if the guy from Baushan Lam dies? Then like, would it be a, a <laughs> tear coming out of a tear? <laughs> Can I? I'm going to write that one down. That's, <laughs> you, that's, that's cartoon gold right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, hold on to that. Like, uh, you know, put a Google News alert for like the Baushalom guy. No, but you, I mean, I do get emotional. I, I'm, I think I'm more warm and squishy than you are in some ways. And I mean, what do you have against Obit cartoons? If someone I, if someone I respect, and here's the thing, Pat Oliphant does great Obit cartoons because he always keeps them in context. It's never just like, a firefighter dies and you have a crying Dalmatian, right? I mean, which is kind of the right. quintessential trope lately that we joke about. Because um, Dalmatians I, don't cry. Everyone knows schnauzers are, are very weepy. But... <laughs> are, they, are they the ones? Dalmatians are, are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Dalmatians, spotted the, fucks. <laughs> the assholes of the dog world. <laughs> Actually, they're really, they are kind of. I mean, they're cute as shit, but they are not. Oh, like I think the, schnauzers. They're I, not really I, the but, nicest dogs. Uh, but you, 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 you take my point, which is you can take it like when, for instance, Khrushchev died. Um, Oliphant did a cartoon of him banging on, it was a pearly gate cartoon, banging his but, shoes. It's, but it's Khrushchev banging on the door with his shoe. Yeah, that's fucking hilarious. However, that's, all it all it really says is this is Khrushchev and he did this at the UN famously. But what does it say, really? I mean, it's funny. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It marks the passing of. But you, you know. already had, but that's already been done. Like the obit, the obit, you know, the actual word obituary. Right. Marked but, that. Right. But I think if you're a commentator and you, this is someone who is important in your world. Um, you, you, you know, I, when Jeff McNally died, I did a, an obit cartoon. Although well, you had have. to, you're the cartoonist at the Chicago Tribune and he worked there for many years. If you hadn't, it would have been dereliction of duty. Well, I didn't work there at the time. I worked oh. at the Birmingham news. Mm -hmm. I just, I thought Jeff's passing was, you know, he was obviously a massive figure in editorial cartooning in the That's United true. States for decades. Mm -hmm. And so you had to mark it, but I didn't, I, it makes it sound like I'm better than, but I am in this instance, I am. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> I bet so many other cartoonists had the shoe characters from his comic strip crying. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, that's so, that's just, 
I want to come back to the point I was trying to make, which is some days someone like that dies and you can draw an easy cartoon and you can be done with work early. Off it's to the golf that course. Simple. It's that simple. It really is. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's actually more sad than death itself. Um, <laughs> I mean, here, I mean, I'm going to, I mean, you know, I used to say this to a lot of our peers. I was like, do you know how much money it would cost like a cartoonist who's in say 50 papers, imagine how much money it would cost to rent the ad space on all those editorial pages where the cartoon appears. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars easily each day. And you're gonna, use, you're gonna waste your spot on something stupid like that. I mean, I think, look, I've done obituary cartoons. I think obituary cartoons are, are best done when they're negative in a surprising yeah. way. Like- <laughs> Yes, you have done negative. I have. Obituary. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, and sometimes I'm, I'm not give an proud. example. Well, I did. Uh, uh, what's his name? Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead. Um, you know, who, who for, this is OK. I shouldn't have done this cartoon. This cartoon is I'm, I'm regretting that I brought this up, but now I've gone that far, this far. So I will. Um, so anyway, he's playing in hell and uh, he, he's wearing a T-shirt that says staff. And he, and he goes, and now for another 45 minute noodling guitar solo. I just didn't like the Grateful Dead. And it was my gratuitous opportunity to say that. And, you know, and looking back, I'm like, actually, I've come to understand that they're a good band. And so I feel like that was definitely just like a mistake. Like, oops, sorry, sorry, Jerry, when I see you in hell, please be me, please be kind. Um, but, um, I, you know, like, for example, seriously, I did a cartoon um, like when George W. Bush dies or Dick Cheney dies, I'm going to be mean. I'm going to do something about all the people they killed in Iraq and Afghanistan waiting for them in the afterlife. Um, and I think that's appropriate because they should only be remembered as, as some of history's most bloodthirsty murderers. Um, I, you know, but I think when someone, you know, Audrey Hepburn died or whatever, it's sort of like, okay, she was pretty and she was a good actress and she died. So what? I mean, I, I don't have anything to say about that. Yeah. So that that's the craft as we see it. I think you and I disagree on this because I do think sometimes passing is important. Like when Mary Tyler Moore passed away, that was, you know, and I know and she wasn't and, going to make it after all. <laughs> that should have been the cartoon, but it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> at some point, we're all not going to make it <laughs> after all. Children, if we teach you anything, it's that you're all going to die. True. Have a happy day. Love, Ted Rawl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, uh, people would behave very differently if they thought about the fact that they were mortal. They really would. You I know. think we do. I think we do. Don't you? I think human no, beings. No, I don't think are. most. I don't think most people think about it at all. They don't act as if they're going to die. They think they're going to. You know, I mean, there's people who are 85 years old who are like money grubbing little shits who are like. You know, meanwhile, their own their own children and grandchildren are like, you know, struggling and they don't want to share their money. It's like, dude, you can't take it with you. What are you doing? I mean, I don't know. People just are. I don't think I mean, we certainly uh, would not be fucking up the planet this way. I don't know. I think we'd mm. be behaving more ethically. Let me ask you this. I mean, this is a philosophical, but I think this is kind of part and parcel of this podcast and how we think and so on. Are people good and do bad things or are they bad and do good things? A real basic Socratic kind of question. Um, mm. well, what do you think I, about that? Yeah. I think that basically people are Anne Randian self-serving dicks 
and will do everything. If, if it behooves them to do something kind, it's usually motivated by some other self-interest. I think we're motivated by self-interest. Now, is that good or bad? You know, you decide. Ted? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I we're both parents, and I think parenthood is an interesting anthropological experiment. Mm. Um, you know, you can see like innately hardwired. I mean, obviously the question is like, what is good, right? Like we can agree on certain things that are noble, like saving someone's life uh, at the risk of your own. But, you know, it's like, is being polite good? Sure. But I mean, you know, politeness is a arbitrary construct, right? Like you should hope, open a door for someone who's in front of you or whatever. Um, or behind but, you. If they're in front of you, they're already through the door. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Coffee week this morning. Um, so, uh, yeah, God, that's a Biden moment. Um, I think people are. Um, I think it's. I think people are neutral. Honestly, I think. Uh, but I think children sort of show us, you know, that they there's generosity. Like some like little kids really like to share. They're like, here, let me sh share this with you. But on the other hand, sometimes they can be. You can sort of see how they do the id like, but I don't, I'll do what I want because I want to. And they don't have a sense of like how the, the need to be sociable is important. So I think, I think fundamentally it just has to be taught. Um, you know, I think, and it is for the most part, uh, people, I don't think there is a fundamental good or bad. I think we're kind of tabla rasa and then it's, uh, you know, it, it just, pours on from genetics, upbringing, society, social Culture, norms, yeah. and historical moment. Like, you know, like in Afghanistan, you know, there's a lot of people who do bad things because of poverty, you know, um, you know, like a lot of people are, are death. I mean, come on, like a lot of the people who are fleeing now, let's face it, they're not really afraid of the Taliban. They just think it, they're going to have a, a more prosperous life economically if they move to the United States. And they're probably right. Um, well, I think they're, I think, I'm sorry. I think they're probably scared shitless of staying in, in Afghanistan. Really? Some, some, but I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of stories about like, oh my God, like the Taliban left all these like death threats on my phone. Really? How come we can't hear them? How, how come you never put your phone up to the mic and share with the journalist? Uh, you know, can we hear that? Like, mm, I'm, I'm cynical, but I, I, mm -hmm. There are people who are genuinely afraid, but there's also a lot of people looking for a way out just because Afghanistan sucks. The weather sucks. The economy sucks. Um, you know, the culture, the uh, the I was going to say the culture, the 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 way things are generally sucks. The culture is interesting, but it kind of sucks, too. Well, I'm going to curl into the uh, Biden fetal position now. Um, <laughs> just another example of what Ted and I've been talking about the last couple of podcasts. Uh, the president of the United States was giving a was what you call it a press conference? It's not really a press conference. It was a press briefing. Yeah, I guess it was a briefing. And he literally curls into a standing fetal position from the waist up. It was one of these stranger. You haven't seen this, Ted? I know. I saw it. I, it, it was shocking. Okay, because the look on your face is... <laughs> no, I'm just reliving it. I mean, seriously, I'm thinking about it. And, you know, today I was watching um, Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough. And I was kind of expecting that they would show, well, look at the president reacting emotionally to the yeah. deaths of 13 U.S. servicemen, which would be totally appropriate to show. After all, it was on national television and he is the president. Um, they didn't. 
And I thought it's probably because it wasn't a good look for Biden. He he looked um, demented. He looked yeah. It, look, it's not like you know we've all seen commanders in chief tear up. Uh, I've seen Obama has uh, has cried uh, on national TV. Um, Bill Clinton was famous for his lip biting thing. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, I think it uh, Bush also talking about losses in war. Um, I think it's it's normal, but this was be this wasn't that. Right? It was strange, and we were, I don't want to be berate this too much, but it was just like I said, Ted and I've been talking about the cognitive, you know, diminishment and erosion of this president's, and I think it's absolutely true. Uh, of all people, Donald Trump was out last night talking about just that thing, and um, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, on this one, I really don't. So no, he's not wrong. He, I um, wish he were wrong. Yeah, I do too. I really do. But um, okay, so real quick, now back to school, vaccine mandates, mask ba- mandates, they're demanding employers, which I still, you and I are, are, are agreeing that employers are basically monsters in, in so many instances. And they're insisting that employees come back into the office, even though things have been percolating along, the economy has grown. Mm-hmm. Um, and people working at home. And if you're happy working at home, let them work at home. This is a battle, Ted, that I, I'm going to get mad for. I'm okay, sorry, let's hear. I really, I work at the Birmingham News for years. And I would say, can I please have one day a week, one day a week, let me refresh, one day a fucking week to work from home. One. So Uno. I can draw in the nude. The way Ted does every the day. Way, the way God intended. <laughs> <laughs> With the nipple clips and the, I mean, the whole thing. Let's go. Sure. Sure. And for years, they said, continually said, no. Well, I left, worked at the, at the Chicago Tribune, where actually I worked in the office twice a week. So I was able to work from home three days a week. I come back here and I, my old publisher contacted me and said, let's have lunch. I said, great. And I brought this subject up. Ted, it was crazy. I was just like, no, we really need you. We, I don't regret that decision, not allowing you to do that. Okay. Did you ask you know, why? I worked at the, yes. What was their thinking? I mean, I assume it's just control. Yes, we wanted you to. Right. I mean, the thing that's, okay, so I think I understand in some cases why, I mean, did you see the, oh yeah, I sent this article to you. It was in the Wall Street Journal. Very funny, very well-written piece. If you uh, can get past the paywall or if you're a subscriber, I recommend that you look it up uh, about people who are doing two. Um, yes. Who are do, who are working two full-time jobs remotely. And they, they're making like one guy's making close to 600 grand between two jobs. And he just basically says like, whenever he's asked to do a meeting, he's like, Oh yeah, I don't really, you know, I'm uh I'm, I'm snowed under, can't, can't do a meeting. Cause you know, there's competing zoom meetings. They have multiple, multiple laptops open and they're zoom, they're zipping back and forth. But I mean, it's like, so I think people, employers are obviously concerned about that, <clears throat> but Scott, with what you do really, truly the, all there is, is the product, right? Yeah, there's a yeah, cartoon. Yeah, yeah. There's a cartoon that could be drawn on an airplane, it could be drawn, you know, on a train, it could be drawn at home, it could be drawn in the office. It's the same fucking cartoon. We went right? on a long, we went, we drove down to the coast and a friend of mine, a columnist in Chicago men, uh, mentioned me in his column. I thought it'd be kind of fun to send him a cartoon. Mm. I do the cartoon in the car. Was it, 
J- was it uh, jittery? Like, you know, Stan Mack, no, no, real, like, no, real life funny. For- <laughs> no, it was, I just don't, under- I, I don't understand employers who insist on that and it's control. They want to see. Now there are some instances where collaboration is important, but let's face it. We were just talking about process a few minutes ago. Here's another part of the process is it's deeply personal. This, first of all, my editor's name's not on the goddamn cartoon. Right. You know, my name is. And so it's And my if you opinion. fuck up, you're the one who's going to get fired, not your editor. Oh, yeah. If I misspell and call someone a shitheel and they don't see it. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, you and I both know the editor saw it and signed off on it. But there's very little accountability for editors in newspapering. Well, you, you, oh, God. You just touched on another one, Ted. I can go off. That's we should talk about the industry some other time. Yeah, that's a different thing. So yeah. Fucked up. I mean, I'm serious, Ted. I just heard another another interview with an editor who left the Chicago Tribune. Um, let's call him Cullen because you know that's his name. Um, <laughs> and his address is let's, he's let's a total say douche. he was a total douche, and he was in charge of the digital and much of the car, much of the newspaper for many, 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 many years. He'd worked there for like 30 years and in management for about 20 of that. The newspaper is dying. This guy was in charge of it. Ted, whose fault is that? Right. No, I mean, obviously. I mean, he's the captain of the ship. And no one has the balls to say, yeah, Dick, you're the one who drove us into the, you're the one who saw the uh, iceberg and went, we're good. We're just going to keep full steam ahead. Yeah. But there's a thing in front of us. Yeah. 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 yeah full okay. Steam so ahead. wait, so wait, so let's, so let's go back to, uh, so Scott, you were mentioning mask mandates in, yes. right. in vaccines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vaccine mandate. So, um, how do you feel about, I mean, I mean, I, 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 my, I have a friend, a Facebook friend who's also an artist. He's a real friend. Uh, he, um, Hiroshi Hamada, brilliant painter actually uh, based in the Hamptons he uh, posted a, a very compelling Facebook post a few days ago where he said that a, a vaccine is an act of violence it's like it's it's literally like your your skin is penetrated by a needle by a sharp object and okay. so whether or not you so it's one thing for you to concede to assent to that act of violence. And that's totally, it's your body to decide that with, which, and I have, and I think Hiroshi has too, but, um, and I encourage others to do the same, but it is, he's right that there is something kind of inherently terrifying about vaccine mandates. Um, I think maybe not for totally optional activities, like you want to go see the Eagles reunion concert. First of all, why are you doing that? And secondly, <laughs> it's like, but if you want, but you know, you can live without it. In fact, you'd live better off without it. Um, but you know, when you start talking about like, you want to go to the supermarket, you kind of have to go to the supermarket. So when you tell people like, you can't come in unless you show your Vax card, as has begun here in New York City. Is that right? See, here's the thing about the vaccine. I think the, the mask mandate makes more sense because you wear a mask. You don't wear a mask for you unless it's an N95, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that actually blocks stuff from coming in. The cloth thing, what it does is it slows down you from dispersing your filth and disease to other people. So it's just right. being polite. So, right. you know, you see, I go to like Home Depot. And Not to mention if you're vaccinated, you can still spread uh, yes, corona. well, that's what I was, that's the part I was about to get to. But I said, you go to Home Depot and you see these Trumpy, and you can just tell, you just know that every person, it's always the snarling old white guy who refuses to wear his mask, right? And he's being a dick. He's, I mean, he's really endangering people around him. 
the vaccine is personal. I mean, yeah, and it's yeah. an act of violence, but I mean, so is getting, you know, rubella shots and yeah, no, it is and all that stuff. So I mean, I, I'm uncomfortable with even the MMR requirement for public schools. I oh, mean, I'm not, I'm not, I think, I think that's one of those things. I think people need to be, conv- should be convinced. I mean, yes, and well, I think they have, we haven't been doing a good job. I feel like you're the libertarian here, but I'm, I'm, I'm articulating more of a libertarian. <laughs> no, well, that's what makes viewpoint. us a wonderful couple. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being I'm just doing it to be persnickety. Not really, though. I no, mean, you're I really, not. You hate the state. I hate the state. That's where we're. I insane. don't trust the state. And yeah. yet you want to grow it, which makes no fucking sense. My state at all that I'm in charge of. Hello. You love flags. There's going to be so many cool hammers and sickles. You're just going to love it. <laughs> but the vaccine is personal. The vaccine protects you. It doesn't protect someone else. It, do, it also doesn't re- necessarily protect you even from getting the disease because there's no, a you, number you, of you'll get it. You, you know, like we're all going to get Delta. We're all going to get it. Well, just, and hopefully that, it'll go. It just won't be too bad when, when you're vaccinated right. and, and you get and it. That's what this does is it eases the burden on, um, on emergency rooms and ICUs across the country. Um, Alabama, where I live, we, we had the number just, Keeps we're going number up. one. We're number one. Well, we're think Mississippi and us are neck and neck. So we're it's at the end of the at the end of the death count. We'll see who's who wins the big prize. But um, we have uh, a, a less than a week ago eleven minus eleven ICU beds in the state. Mm. Two days later, it was minus forty one beds in the state, and now it's somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy minus seventy. That means. Well, that's terrifying because we all know that uh, as the weather gets a little cooler and people spend more time indoors and school reopens uh, this fall, uh, just like happened last year, the infection rate is going to soar. So oh, have you, it, it looks like that's, it's in August. It's this, Ted, it's it already this has. bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to talk over you, but it already has. And schools that have opened that did not have mask mandates, there is gasp. A massive uptick of of of, of COVID, um, and especially the variant in kids. Yeah, and then of course, like in, in Texas, right? Uh, Governor yeah. Abbott says um, he he won't he, he's fighting tooth and nail. He won't allow either mask mandates or vax mandates. Right, and they pass legislation saying, which I don't think is legal. I don't think it's constitutional. If I run Scott's House of Pancakes, um, I think I have a right to say, you can't come in unless you're wearing a mask. Yeah, and no, I think, I, th- that's I think that's right. I, th- I think you could say like you have to wear a red shirt or whatever, you know? Right, right. But that then that takes you down a very ugly road where you, you know, back in the 60s and the lunch counters and all that stuff, yeah. right? So, I mean, do I have a right to do that? No, I don't. But well, do I have yeah, a right that's to- That's because those are because uh, gender and race and uh, sexual orientation and disabled status are all protected classes under federal law. But aside from those protected classes, you can discriminate. You can say, for example, you can say, uh, I don't want anybody. This, this has actually happened where uh, there was a store that was uh, only, only carried Coca-Cola products exclusively. And they, they were able to mandate they didn't want anyone wearing Pepsi paraphernalia in their store. You're kidding. No, I'm serious. That, that actually happened. Okay, that's it, not. That's, see, that's up in court. And protected classes. I mean, let's face it. I'm a white male. When am I going to get my from this society? When will <laughs> truly <laughs> you are a real? When victim. will American culture finally see the worth of the white male? <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm alert! Sarcasm alert! Yeah, we yeah, have. Pl- <laughs> 
yeah, in this day and age, we need to uh, have that little alarm there. Um, so yeah, coming back to vaccine, I don't care. I, I think that that I agree with your friend. It's an act of violence. I don't know that that should be mandated. Um, I can see a company saying for our insurance purposes, you need to be vaccinated, but pass that. No mask certain, mandates. A certain industries, healthcare, for example, I think it's 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 the same way. Like for example, I think drug test mandates. Look, you drive a tra- you drive a train. Yeah, you, you, that's a reasonable thing to ask. You know, if you're, you know, working at Arby's, I don't think they shouldn't be able to find out if you're if you're using drugs. Almost every job I've ever had, and I've had a lot of them as a cartoonist, um, that I had to do a drug test. Ted, that's absurd. Wait, I'm a wait. cartoonist. I'm you an and artist. I both of know that a I'm lot doing of drugs. A lot of now, I've never been at a paper like you. You've been at many of how many six at least six. Yes, yeah. so far. There's yeah. still time and counting. Uh, <laughs> and so like, yeah, I've never been on staff at a paper, but you and I both know that we have many colleagues who like to partake of the ganj and yeah. the cocaine and many other things. Um, how come, how do they get past the drug testing? I have no earthly idea. And I mean, now, you know, oh, this is another podcast about drugs. And so we should talk about, we should talk drugs sometime. Because, yeah, drugs are um, an interesting topic. They are. And it's funny that the libertarian viewpoint is now going forward. And I'm, I'm one of the guys who's going, can we pot- tap the brakes just a little bit? But that's another podcast for that's another time. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I guess we're kind of running long here, but. Um, no, we're good. We're good. Okay. Oh, we're good. Okay. All right. We can talk a little more. So, va- so yeah. So, so, okay. So let's just get you on the record here. Okay. Vaccine mandates, yay or nay, under what circumstances? Nay, um, uh, under almost all circumstances, unless like you say, healthcare, uh, providers, uh, but all, but mostly it, 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 the vaccine. The reason you would do it is to protect yourself, and you have a right to not protect yourself. Sure, it's just like I think you have stupid. a right not. To, I don't think the mandate a health um, like seatbelt laws are fair, or um, or a people motorcycle fight. helmet. Well, especially motorcycle helmets. I mean, there's people who would fight, and uh, my libertarian friends would definitely agree with that statement. That it's that if I decide I want to be launched through my windshield because I'm stupid enough to hit another car. Yeah. Then you know I, that's my that's my God given right, really, yeah. to be stupid. And then not not being vaccinated, you have a God given right to be a moron. You you do. Now moving over to mask mandates, I think those are absolutely legitimate. And um, see, I'm annoyed. Really- I'm annoyed that I have to wear a mask on a plane because I'm like triple vaccinated, yo, triple. So yeah, why the you- fuck should I have to wear a mask? But you know not to that- mention the airlines don't give a shit. They have us packed in there, literally sold out flights. It's like if they were serious, there'd be six foot social distancing on the plane, which means that literally they'd be able to sell like one fifth the normal number of tickets. Right. And that's exactly I, I flew Northwest, not, not Northwest, Jesus, Southwest. Northwest is an airline that's no longer <laughs> been around for the last 25 years. Yeah, because- I don't miss them. They were they were horrible. Be older, Scott. Um, anyway, so Southwest airlines, and they did do that for a while, but yeah, you had to, you, you look at the airplane, you go, Jesus, they are losing money on each flight. I mean, yeah. But well, let me just tell you who's not losing money is like the big three Delta United and American. They're, they're packing them in like sardines, just like the old days. And they're canceling like crazy. Um, how many people do you know who have had flights canceled? Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, it's standard. I mean, my favorite, I had a flight, I had a flight to, to uh, a Caribbean destination, as you know, that yeah. like, not only did they cancel the flight, they canceled it as a destination. And it was like, so we'll reschedule you like never. 
And they and their offer was, oh, we'll give you, this is my favorite, we'll give you a one-year credit to be used toward that same destination in the future. <laughs> Which we no longer go to. That's right. Exactly. Unfucking believable. It really is. I mean, it just, and I mean, I don't, I don't fly and I'm really loathe to fly now. Uh, my wife particularly is. Um, I, she I just really don't like it. Fly. I'm not, I don't care about COVID. I just don't like flying. Flying sucks. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like flying. I just don't like the way it's like the evacuation from Kabul. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm in favor of the idea, not the way they do it. <laughs> And in yes, many cases, exactly it looks similar. Like I remember like the, you know, when they showed the cargo, the C-17 cargo plane with all the 600 Afghans sitting on the floor. It's yes. like, oh, how extraordinary. I'm like, mm, looks like United Airlines to me. I don't know. <laughs> looks like the red height to, to <laughs> Chicago is what it looks like. Uh. <laughs> it was like, at least they can stretch out. <laughs> there's, there's room. Those guys have room for their feet. Unlike me, 6'2". Forget yeah, it. you're you're tall, and I, I I'm not. I'm five ten, and there's no leg room. It's like, dude, did the guys who designed this not have legs? I mean, God bless them. Did they lose them in an eye in a, attack? I'm not even the like, tallest guy. I mean, six two is not like insane. It's not you know NBA, right? I mean, I there I know guys who are six five, six six, and my father six four i mean what's the their fuck? club that you guys hang out at i mean yeah it's like the, yeah we, we're all like nursing our bumped heads it's a short man's world scott let me just say <laughs> just living, you're just paying Full of rent. dwarves uh on that note okay now we're next podcast we're going to talk about the other stuff because i drugs drugs yeah. so tune in man it'll yeah. be happening yeah we'll both be high as shit you Maybe want to do that? That'd be fun. God, how funny would that be? That would be funny. That would be like that drunk history. Um, Ted, man, dude, I'm looking at that carpet behind you. <laughs> and you're like, it's like it's way alive. <laughs> See, I, yeah. I think I so think I'm next time. <laughs> I don't think I'm that smart. Not on drugs, so I'm not going in that direction. Okay, I have never. Here's the thing. I mean, you talk about. I, I joked about being an artist in the drug. I never did drugs because I never, every time, and it's rare, but every time I tried it, it never worked. Right. Uh, it was, you know, the result was terrible. So, you know, and, and I never give a speech. I mean, I've, even if it's a, like an evening cocktail thing, I, I don't drink until after. Oh my God. As you know, I violated that rule once. In San yeah, Francisco. that was, uh, that was drunk bad. Ted roll. You know what Ted thinks? Fuck <laughs> that, everybody. <laughs> All you out there, all you oh on the stage. So bad. So bad. <laughs> it was not a good, it was a, it was a moment that will be remembered. Well, not by me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny. Okay. We, can we spill the beans? Cause it's actually a funny. Sure. Story, sure. Right? Sure. We were in San Francisco. We were, we were on a panel. It was the last for the association of the American editorial cartoonists. Last night of the convention, Ted and I are hanging out in the lobby and I, he says, you want a beer? And I go, no, I don't. Um, you know, I don't drink before I appear in public. It's just because I know that if I do, it'll be. Sky says two things: "Fuck you" and "Fuck you." <laughs> right. Okay, not good, not good. Um, so I don't. But you were you were obviously a little happy, and I and you're drinking. In my, in my defense, there was an open bar right before, <laughs> and, and no self, and, and there was no self discipline, and, and no, and it was hot, which makes drinking worse. And there was no, and there was no food. So empty stomach, hot, open bar. Just saying. 
yeah. So I, but I did mention to you on numerous, cause you kept saying, you want a beer? I go, are you drinking another one? <laughs> well, that's true. You were kind of a, you were so kind of a nudge. Not grab like a water just for, for now. And then when we're done. That's true. You were like that. And you didn't. <laughs> oh my God. So I forget what you said, <laughs> but it was, it was, it was fine. And there were, and it was literally tens of people in the audience. So, you know. Yeah, I, I think that probably half of them were just as drunk as I was, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to think that. It's probably not true. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right. Seems like a good place to break. All right, Scott, yes. so where can where can people who are interested in Scott Stantis's cartoons and other lore go to find it? All things Scott can be found at gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis or gocomics.com slash prickly city, where you can see my comic strip. I do a lot of local work for the Chicago Tribune. So you can go to the Chicago Tribune.com slash opinion and find my work there, a gallery of my work there. Um, how about you, Ted? Where can we find your stuff? Um, you can go, to, I've mentioned this before, raw.com, my website, but there's also, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, just go to at Ted Rawl or just search up Ted Rawl uh, on Facebook and you'll find me there. I'm also at whowhatwhy.org. There you go. All right. Talk to you next time. We'll do drugs, man. All right. It'll be awesome. Okay. Bye, man. Groovy. Bye. Bye.